Some of you today, you might be running to the Father for the first time. There might be things going on in your life that are just overwhelming you, that you've realized you've just come face to the face with the fact that you can't handle it on your own. Uh, and you just come to this place where you realize you need Jesus, uh, you need him, and you might not even know why you showed up today or why you signed in online, but it was for this fact. Because no matter how long you've been running away from God, man, when you turn around, he's right there, just like a loving father with open arms. He loves you, he sees you, he's got plans for your life, and it's time to run to him today. And so, man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Can we just give our Father and his grace a hand? Amen. 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 You could be seated. We're going to dive into God's word together today, and I'm so excited. Uh, we sang God's word today. Man, that song, Hallelujah for the Cross, it said, By his stripes, I'm healed by his death, I live. That's scripture. And scripture has an amazing power to change our lives. It's God's word to us. Uh, we're going to talk about in a minute how it's living and active. And I cannot overemphasize, uh, man, this month as we talk about resetting our walk with Christ and resetting, you know, th some of these spiritual disciplines in our life, I cannot overemphasize emphasize the importance of God's word. You know, have you ever, um, are you ever around that type of person that when they, when they ever, whenever they, whenever they talk about something, it's like the most important thing in life. Have you ever been around somebody like that? That it's like, it doesn't matter what topic they're talking about. It's always the most important thing. And I kind of feel like that with this series, because every single week, what we're talking about is life-changing. Man, last week we talked about prayer, right? And how God's presence is my privilege and God's provision is my source and God's spirit rewires my passions and God grants me participation in his purposes when I pray. And seriously, man, when I talk about that, it's the most important thing because you need prayer. And this week we're talking about another most important thing, God's word. You can't live without it. Jesus himself said that you can't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth, right? And so that's why God's word is so important. It's incredibly important. We have to know God's word. And maybe you're, you're showing up today and you're online and you're thinking, man, Joe, I never read God's word. Well, that's why we're hitting the reset button because we gotta know God's word. Without careful study and really being grounded in the word of God, things can get squirrely really fast. Listen here to some of the, some blunders that were made by kids when explaining certain stories in the Bible. Your kids, they ever tell stories and they totally mess up the whole story, right? Well, listen to this. One kid said in the first book of the Bible, Guinness, God, God got tired of creating the world, so he took the Sabbath off, right? How about this one? One kid said, Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. Some of you, you'll, you'll get these when you go home tonight. Another kid said, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. Another one said, Moses led the Hebrews to the Red Sea where they made unleavened bread, which is bread without made without any ingredients, right? You gotta love kids. Or how about this? The Egyptians were all drowned in the desert. And just so you know, I'm joking. These are jokes. I'm not. And so if you're jumping in on, in the middle of the live stream right now, don't take anything that I'm saying over the next minute as scripture. Uh, these are blunders by kids. How about this? Afterwards, Moses went up to Mount Sinai 
to get the Ten Amendments. Another kid said, the fifth commandment is humor thy father and thy mother, right? The seventh commandment is thou shalt not admit adultery. Admit. This is one of my favorite because I have two uh, sons. Another kid said, the greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still and, and he obeyed him. Right? And all the dads with sons will say amen. The son stood still and he obeyed him. Right? Solomon, one of David's sons, had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. And we'll end with this one. I love this. The Bible says man is only supposed to have one wife and this is called monotony. Right? Uh, <laughs> husbands, don't nudge your wives. Uh, so when you read God's word, if you get things off just a little bit, you can get way off, right? Kind of like when you're going on a long journey and you just get a couple degrees off on the compass. By the time you get to the end, you're miles and miles and miles away from your destination. And so church, it's important that we don't just kind of know God's word. It's, it's important that we just don't kind of know the stories, but that we get intimately involved with God's word on a daily basis. Listen to this. The Bible isn't just some book. It's not just some set of words, you know, bound together that are just good teachings or good stories that might help you in life. The Bible, if you didn't know, let me just inform you today, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. It has, it, over 5 billion copies have been printed and distributed. Listen, no other book even comes close in comparison. The second book on the list for printing and distribution is the Quran. And guess how many it has printed? 800 million. Let me just tell you, 800 million, in case you weren't very good in math in school, compared to 5 billion is no comparison. It's a fraction. The next book behind that, uh, you know, is the Book of Mormon. And it only has 120 million, 120 million to 5 billion. There's no comparison. The, the only other best-selling books of all time that even come close in comparison, just normal books that like, like the masses read, um, is the Harry Potter series. And all of, and there's like, how many, how many Harry Potter books are there? Seven. There's seven of them, and all together, all seven books combined have only sold 500 million copies. And that's the top-selling book of all time behind the Bible. 500 million to 5 billion. There's no comparison. The Bible was written by 40 authors over a 1,500-year span. It was written by kings and peasants and farmers and statesmen. It was written on three continents, and, and, but it was all inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it has a common, single, unified story and message. Listen, there are over 330 prophecies made concerning the birth and life of Christ in the Old Testament, where he would be born, how he would die, what would happen to him. No other faith 
can point to any prophecies hundreds of years before actually coming true. None. The author of a book called Science Speaks says that the probability of even eight of the Old Testament prophecies actually coming true, right, would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That isn't one a million. That's like one in a hundred billion million gazillion. All right, just so you know. And that's just if eight of them came true. Three, over 330, every single one came true. Last week, we talked about how if we don't prioritize prayer, we devalue the cross. Do you remember that? God's word is very similar. You can't devalue it. You can't put it down. You can't say or even begin to prove that it's not valid Every single word of it is true. Every single word of it is is infallible. And every single word of it serves as a guide to your life in some way or another. It's impossible to follow Jesus without following his word. And so, man, a little rabbit trail. My heart breaks at how some churches and some um, uh, church movements have steered away from the inerrancy of Scripture and the infallibility of its word. Church, the Bible has no mixture of error in it. None. And so if I'm going to study the Bible God's way, the way God intended it, I've got to do these things that we're going to talk about today. And so grab your notes. You can fill in the blanks as we go along. Um, You can jump on your app. The notes will be there as well. But the first thing, and remember, just like prayer, it's all about your posture. A lot of serving Jesus is like, man, I'm going to come to him with the right attitude. I'm going to come to him with the right posture, the right heart. And reading the Bible is a lot the same way. Your posture really, really matters when you open his word. And so number one, I must first accept its authority. I must first accept its authority. Listen, my attitude makes a dramatic difference in every single area of my life, right? In my relationship with my wife, if I have a bad attitude, it's going to stain the relationship, right? If I come to work with a bad attitude, how productive do you think I'm going to be, right? If I open God's word with a bad attitude, how productive is it going to be? This is why believers get more out of the Bible than unbelievers. It's a fact, Have you ever wondered, you know, man, when I read the Bible, or maybe you've had experiences when you read the Bible and it just comes alive to you and you share it with a friend or you share it with a family member. Hey, look at this. Can you even believe this? And and their reaction is like, huh. You ever had that that happen to you? Or anything. Like you watch a movie and, and you're like, this is the best movie of all time. And you show it to your friend and they're like, average. Right? Because your attitude really matters when you approach the word of God and you've got to accept its authority. Just like the Thessalonians did in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Listen to what Paul said to them. He said, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but actually as it is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So So he's saying the word of God is at work in you who believe. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, something happens when you read God's word. 
And because of your belief and because of your trust in him, all of a sudden his word comes alive. Now, what does this mean for maybe you that are somewhat skeptical? Or maybe you're just searching it out. Or maybe you're just kicking the tires and you don't even know yet if you believe that God's word is true. Here's my challenge to you today. Give it a chance. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you believe, when you trust him, his word is going to come alive to you in ways that it never has before. The amazing thing about God's word is even when we are still sinners and even when we are full of doubt, God still comes alive to you. But man, it's going to go up a whole nother level when you begin trusting Jesus. And this is just how God works. The more I trust him, the more I trust him, the more he pours out his spirit in my life. And so when we come to study God's word, it's it's with an attitude of, God, I'm going to accept your word as my authority in life. The Bible claims to be God's word, so man, I need to accept its authority. Everybody has an authority in life, whether they realize it or acknowledge it or not. Whether it's understood or not, it may be subconscious. Your authority might be you and you alone, right? I know that I've found myself in times in my life when I was running to um, my own beat. I was the boss of everything that I was thinking and doing and no one could tell me otherwise. We all have an authority in life. And this authority is what you base your decisions on. It's what your cho- the choices that you make. But the Bible says that God's word is the authority for my life. Real quick, we're going to fly through four unreliable sources of authority. These are common And many people use these often instead of scripture. And chances are, when I read one of these four, you're going to be like, yep, I've fallen into that trap before. Or yes, I'm in that trap right now. Number one, an unreliable source is culture. Culture is an unreliable authority. Have you ever heard this phrase, but everybody's doing it? We've probably all said it to our parents a time or a million Listen, this is called Facebook morality, right? Everyone's doing it. Everybody says it. Well, I read an article that says, and so all of a sudden we believe it, right? Exodus 23.2 says, don't follow the crowd in wrongdoing. Don't do it. They'll lead you astray every time. Number two, tradition You know, sometimes we say, but we've always done it that way. That's an unreliable authority. Tradition has led even the church and people into all kinds of crazy stuff that was never found in Scripture. Mark 7, 8, in Mark 7, 8, Jesus said, you have replaced the commands of God with the traditions of men. This is nothing new. Jesus encountered it as well when he was dealing with people. Number three, reason. Reason is not, cannot be your total authority in life. Now, I'm a firm believer that God gave us a brain for a reason, right? And I'm a firm believer that there still is a thing called common sense that is, giving, that is getting less and less common, right? But here's the deal. God gave you a gift of a brain, but at the, we have to balance that with the reality that Scripture teaches that 
that our best wisdom or our best intellect or the smartest person in the entire world, I mean, you could, you could put any of them out there, Einstein, anyone at MIT, anyone at Harvard, Yale, or any of those kind of schools, and their intelligence and their intellect, the Bible says, is a fraction. It doesn't even show up on the register compared to our heavenly fathers. And so reason can never be the all in all when it comes to the authority in our life. Maybe you've said, well, I've always thought, and I just want to humbly and with a, a soft heart say, big deal, right? It seemed logical. It seemed rational. You know, these statements base it on human intellect. But here's what scripture says in Proverbs 16, 25. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. What does this mean? Translated, that you and I can reason our way to death, right? I don't know about you, but every sin that I've ever committed seemed right at the time, right? Have you ever been there? Well, man, when I did it, it sure felt good. It sure seemed right. It's an unreliable source of authority. Number four, personal feelings. Personal feelings can never be your ultimate source of authority. God gave us feelings, right? He gave us emotions, but they're not the all in all. How about, have you ever heard somebody say this? I believe it because I feel it, right? We have songs, you know, in our culture that say things like, I feel something so right doing the wrong thing. That's an actual lyric from a popular song these days. I feel so right. I feel something so right doing the wrong thing. And that's how we feel sometimes. And what, what is that called? It's called our sinful nature, right? People have experiences even, you know, and say, well, I just felt God there, right? Or, uh, and, and even in the, in, the, in the church world, people get off track because of their feelings, even when they're trying to serve Jesus. And so, but here's the, here's, here's the bottom line truth. If it's contrary to what the Bible says, it's wrong regardless. Many people today, even in the church world, are being fooled by feeling. Listen, you can't help how you feel. Feelings aren't wrong and they're not right. They just are. But you have the power to choose what you do with those feelings. So we've got to accept God's word as our authority. What does it say in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17? It says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is right or realize what is wrong in our lives and it corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Every good work. I'm not a rocket science, but I know this. If I realize something, that means I didn't know it before, right? I'm just getting real simple. And, and if I'm going to be open to realize something, to be corrected, then that means I have a humble heart. I'm humble towards the thing I'm interacting with. And so it's, that's why it's incredibly important when you approach the word of God that you're saying, this is my authority for life and I'm gonna follow it. 
I'm going to do what it says. When you settle that the Bible is your authority in life, then you're going to get more out of the Bible. It's going to make such a difference. I love the the words of the proverb in, in Proverbs 30, verse 5. The writer says, every word of God is flawless. And I would just encourage you to settle it in your heart today. Just settle it in your heart. You can search, you can research, you can read all about it. Man, we have more content at our fingertips than ever before. And if you dig in and if you look out there, man, you're going to feel, you're going to find all kinds of arguments all over the place. I can summarize it though for you here in a minute. It's real. I encourage you to be like the church in Berea who, man, they, they searched out the truth so that they could know for themselves that they, they got to the depths of it for themselves. And in your searching, though, I just want to read the last page of the book. God's word is real. God's word is real. You can trust it. And until you, while you're on the journey in trusting Jesus, I just want to encourage you, the best way to find out if you can trust God is to trust him. Just trust him. Faith. I'm going to put my trust in what I cannot see, right? I'm going to put my trust in God. Trust his word. Number two, if you want to get the most out of studying your Bible, if you want to do Bible study God's way, then I must develop a hunger for it. I've got to develop this hunger. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and, and, all they, and, and they prosper in all they do. The Bible is full of if-then statements. If I do this, then this will happen. And I don't know about you, but if the Bible says, man, if I do X, Y, Z, then I'm going to prosper in all I do. I'm going to bear fruit each season. You know, my leaves are never going to wither figuratively, right? Sign me up. And the the answer comes in developing a hunger for God's word. Listen, we usually, don't, we usually don't have to develop a hunger, have you noticed, for unhealthy things. Usually the things that we have to develop a hunger for are good for us. Now, I'm sure you could find an example or two of something that you got used to or you developed a hunger for that the first time you tasted it, it was pretty nasty. But let's just say in general, right, the best things for you in life are things that you have to develop a hunger for. Exercise, whole foods, right? The word of God. It's easy to develop a hunger for things that are harmful. That's our sinful, sinful nature, right? But listen, if I'm not hungry for God, what does that mean? And you'll hear me say this a lot. I'm full of myself. I'm full of something else besides him. How many of you doing on your New Year's resolutions, right? You probably had some sort of resolution that had something to do with developing hunger or developing a a new habit and doing something different with your life. It's hard, right? But what do we see in this verse in Psalm uh, chapter 1? 
right? I need to be intentional, first of all, about who I'm following, who I'm hanging out with, who I'm joining in with, who's influencing me. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, right? So we see three things. We see who we're following, who we're hanging with, just like who, who do we spend our, our leisure time with and who we join in with proactively, intentionally, right? And so the first step, if I'm going to develop a hunger for God's word, if my Bible study is going to be effective and full of life, then the first step is look around. Who am I hanging with? Who is pouring into my life? And am I, am I hanging <coughs> around with people that also have a hunger for God's word? Or am I hanging around for people that see no value in God's word? It matters. And then what's the second part of that verse? But they delight in the, in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And so daily, I'm going to delight and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to delight and I'm going to meditate. And after a while, I'm going to develop a hunger for God's word. I'm going to act my way into feeling when it comes to delighting in God's word. And then what's the result? I love this. Fruit in every season fruit in every season. Man, if there's a passage of scripture that is just going to help you just meditate and ruminate on the importance of God's word and his commands in your life, I just want to challenge you. I gave you a challenge last week to follow the prayer guide, and I want you to continue to do that uh, for the next 14 days. But I also just want to encourage you to dive into Psalm 119. And what if you read that one psalm every day for the next week? I guarantee you, you're going to be thinking more about following God's word and following God's commands and making your life patterned after his than you were today. Why? Because Psalm 119 is constantly talking about how much the psalmist loves the commands of the Lord and loves the word of God. Number three, if I'm going to study God's word God's way, if I'm going to get out of God's word what he intended for me to get out, I must develop my understanding of it. Man, probably more than anything across the centuries, what people have said more often than anything else once they start to study God's word is, I just don't understand. Have you been there before? You read something and you're like, huh? Right? You're like, I don't get it. It's like somebody just told a joke and you're the only person in the room that doesn't get it. You ever feel like that? That's me. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a person with a very quick wit. Uh, a lot of times people will tell a joke and about 20 seconds later, I'm like, oh, I got it. But the moment is long gone, right? And, and so sometimes people will say something and they'll start laughing and I'm just staring blankly and they're looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And then I'm like, oh, gotcha, right? Everybody has that feeling at one time or another when they open up God's word. I just don't get it. And that's why I've got to develop and intentionally work on an understanding of God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, work hard. Underline that. Highlight that. Drag your little finger over on your phone and then hit the yellow highlight button. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. 
Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Underline the last part of that verse, who correctly explains the word of truth. You know the first person that you explain God's word to? Yourself. We're not jumping down the road and asking you to lead a life group and be somebody that people kind of look to, to to at least try to find the answers to God's word. No, let's just start right at home with the person who uses your toothbrush. The very first person when you study God's word to that you're explaining it to is yourself. You're reading and you're, and you're asking yourself, what does that mean? And then you're making a choice. How am I going to interpret God's word? And so it's incredibly important to develop, which takes work. That's why it says here, work hard on making sure that you're somebody who correctly explains the word of truth. Now listen, when you read that verse, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval, some of you might be thinking to yourself, man, I didn't think I had to, I thought I could just come to God as I am and his grace will be there. Absolutely true. You can come to God as you are. You come to him as a sinner. We've all fallen and, you know, short of of God's glory. But this is why it's so important for you to understand God's word. Because approval is different than acceptance. This is a hard word for the American church. Because the American church would have, you know, sometimes we we make it so incredibly easy and we think, hey, whatever I do, as long as I'm doing my best, I get the participation trophy, right? That's what we teach our kids. Just do your best. Well, actually, the Bible says work hard to receive his approval, not his grace. You can't work for his grace. It's a free gift. You don't deserve it. You never will, right? You can never do anything to make him love you more or love you less. But the Bible does say that you can work hard to receive his approval. Here's a great analogy for you to understand this. My sons and my daughter will never do anything that will remove my love for them in in their life, right? I will always love them. But let me tell you what, being honest, let's just get real here for a minute. My kids do things all the time that don't receive my approval. I love them. I accept them. My arms will always be open towards them, but I do not approve of everything that they do. I got great kids. I love them. They're, man, um, I'm so proud of them, you know, and 95% of the time, well, depending on the kid. No, I'm just joking. They're all good. But 95% of the time, man, I love what they do. And then there's that 5%, right? And so for my kids to earn my approval, they need to follow how dad is leading them, right? And just because I don't approve of X, Y, Z that they do does not mean that I don't love them. Some of us need to get a little thick skin when it comes to serving Jesus and realize that God can love me and discipline me at the same time. And if I'm going to receive his approval, it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some correction in my life that might be a little painful. And so when I say, man, I've got to develop understanding 
This is going to take some hard work. This is going to take some hours of study. This is going to take some digging into God's word. This is going to take some saying no to myself and yes to Jesus. A healthy drive to earn the Father's approval is vital. Man, I, I believe this. A healthy drive, not, a, not a, uh, an attitude that, man, God is never happy with me. God never approves of me. God never, you know, God's always looking down at me and just wanting to squash me. That's not true at all. Your, dad is, your, your, your heavenly father is a good dad, and he wants you to succeed more than anything in life. But we got to do our part. We got to work hard, right? He loves you. But, man, we got to put the work in I and mean, develop our understanding of his word. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Man, this is a big deal. When we give our hearts and lives to Christ and we're trying to serve him, then our understanding of his word is is two things. Man, we can work hard, we can study hard, but then also the Spirit enables our understanding of God's Word and takes it to another level that we didn't have before. What does it say? It all sounds foolish to them, unbelievers, and they can't understand it. For, those who, um, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And so, hey, you're... How do we develop an understanding of God's word? One, you're going to work really hard. You're going to read God's word. You're going to make it a habit. You're going to re, you know, read into it. What's the context? Who's it being spoken to? Why was Jesus saying this to them? What was the historical context of the day? What is the, the timeless principle that can be applied to my life today? You're going to ask all these questions. But then also you're going to invite the Holy Spirit to say, Spirit, teach me. Because I'm following you and you're going to help illuminate the scripture for what it means for me today. And the cool thing about this is God can do that for you every single day as you study his word. And so it's a combination is, how do I develop understanding? It's a combination of effort and what only the Holy Spirit can do as you read his word. Here's another example of this, Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Man, that's an incredibly powerful verse, but, and we're going to close with this today. But as I read that verse, it also sounds kind of painful, right? That <coughs> as I develop an understanding of God's word, it's alive, it's powerful, it's going to cut it's going to go deep into my life where nothing else can go. It's going to, you know, we, we sing that, that song today, and I'm going to run to the Father, and, I'm, and I found my, my, my heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. I love that line, my heart needs a surgeon, because so much of the time, that's what my heart needs. It needs fixing. It needs rearranging. And when I develop an understanding of God's word, it's like God's doing surgery in my heart. He's putting the pieces back together. He's making things flow and beat the right way again, right? But it's not always easy. It's not always, you know, man, this just feels great. You know, sometimes it's like, ouch, God, 
That hurt a little bit. But then he breathes that new life to you and you get that new blood pumping through your veins again, right? And after that surgery, you might have a little pain for a while, but then, man, after you heal up, man, you feel better than you ever had before, right? My son, uh, Jason, you know, uh, new school, and we've been talking about math lately, and it's tough and it's hard. And, and the classic teenager question that every single one of us probably asked ourselves in school, Dad, when am I ever going to use any of this in life? Right? And he said to me something the other day. He's like, well, Dad, I just study it for the test, and I, I pass the test, and I get an A, but then I never remember it again. Like, when we circle back in class, like, I didn't really learn it. I just learned it for the test. Have you ever been there? That's just, like... I know the knowledge. It's not understanding of it. He's like, I can do it for the test, but I really don't understand why it works. Listen, too many people approach Bible study with just a check it off the list type of attitude. I'm just doing it for the test because, man, pastor says I should read my Bible every day. Pastor says I should, I should you know, God's word is important. Man, do I really know why it's important? Do, have I really experienced the importance of it for myself? No, but I, I, just, I just know I have to do it. And I just want to encourage you, that is never, ever, ever. When we talk about the importance of God's word, that's never the heart. The heart is never just do it. Why do we talk about this? Because God's word is living and it's active. And when you study and when you dig in, it comes alive in your life. And I never want you to just study, just do these things just to get over the line into heaven. That's not the point. Jesus came so that you could have life and life to the full right now. And the way that you can do that is by following God's word. And so don't be somebody that just studies for the test. Be somebody who studies for life, studies for understanding, studies to know Jesus more, to get to the depths of who he is and to, to somehow wrap my eyes and my mind around how big his love is for me. Paul said, he said, man, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can understand how deep and how wide God's love is for you. Why did he say that? By the, why, why would I need the power of the Holy Spirit to understand it? because that's how big God is. And so, man, I develop this understanding and it, it's leaning on the spirit, I'm depending on him. I love this quote. When I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. You ever feel like that? You read God's word and it's like, oh man, God, you're reading my mail. Or when I read the Bible, it changes me. As I read the Bible, the spirit brings it alive in my life. And sometimes, man, when I read God's word, it's like a very simple truth that I read that maybe I've heard a hundred times, but it jumps off the page and deep down into my heart and convicts my spirit and sets something right in me. Have you ever had that experience? Something I knew, and it's like I knew that up here, but as I read the word, I understood it for the first time. Man, if you're gonna ask yourself a question this morning, how much God, how many verses, how much of your word do I know, but I never have really understood? It's like, and I gotta get it from here to here. And that's the distance of understanding, right? 
when I develop an understanding, I'm driving it from here to here. I'm driving it down into my heart. I love this, Psalm 119.73. And this is where we put the responsibility on God because he's promised he'll do it. He says, you created me, now give me the sense to follow your commands. Love that, love that. What a, what a prayer of desperation. And like I told you earlier, read Psalm 119 over and over this week. Man, that's the kind of stuff. God, you created me. So now give me the sense to follow your commands. God, make my heart humble to submit to your authority. God, the seeds that you plant in my heart, I wanna be good soil. God, the sword that is your word. God, help it to, to, to split all the little areas of my life that need, to, that need work and just drive that, that sword deep into my heart and do the work that only you can do. God, you're my heavenly surgeon. surgeon. God, help me to consume your word like the food that it is because it's, it's, it's more important to me than physical food. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, does not my word burn like a fire, says the Lord? Isn't not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? God, burn up, consume my life with your word. Smash the things that need smashed. Man, there's all kinds of analogies for his word in your life. How about this one? It's like a mirror. God's word is your identity. You want to find out who you really are? Look at God's word. If you're confused, you're insecure, you're full of anxiety, look at God's word. Let it speak life over you. Get it from here to here. God, shape me by your word. God, let it wash over me. Let it purify my heart, purify my life. Jesus, help us not to be Christians in name that have an anemic understanding of your word. God, help us to approach your word with a posture of, of heart that says, God, I'm gonna submit to your word as authority in my life. I'm gonna submit to it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus, help me to develop a hunger. Help my priorities to be right in Jesus' name. God, develop my understanding. Sometimes, God, just truth be told, I don't feel that smart. But your word says that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your word is gonna come alive in my heart and I'm gonna, through daily effort, study, intentionality, hanging around the right people, I can develop a hunger for your word that makes a difference in my life. You're gonna help me understand it, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Amen. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me real quick. If you're here today, and uh, maybe it was a worship song today, maybe it was uh, a verse that I read, maybe it was something, but you're, you've come to the realization that you need Jesus, that you need a relationship with him. <laughs> you've come to the realization that you can't live another day without following Jesus. You've come to the realization that, that, that he's real that he really died for you, that he rose again on the third day, that you were put on this earth to be loved by God and to love him back. And just today, for the first time, you realized that. And you wanna make a choice right now in God's presence 
to follow him. If that's you today, I wanna give you opportunity to do that. And there's nothing special about this place or this, this moment. There's what's special is the choice that you're making right now. And so if that's you today between you and God, if you could just raise your hand towards heaven as a sign saying, Jesus, that's me. You're, you're, you're doing something physical to say, God, that's me. Is that you today? Jesus, here's my life. I surrender my life to you. I make you Lord of my life. Here I am. I give my life to you. If that's you today, whether you're sitting at home on your couch watching, whether you're here in this room, you can just begin to pray a prayer on your own, accepting Christ into your life. It could be something like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe you died for me on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you wanna have a relationship with me. Help me to follow you. Help me to trust you. I wanna serve you with my life. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today and if you made that decision in your heart, I wanna encourage you to do something. In the, in the seat back pocket in front of you, there's a connect card. If you could grab that card, fill it out, and there's a box at the bottom that says, I decide to follow Jesus today. Could you check that and drop it in the bucket on your way out? I'd love to connect with you this week. I'd love to get some resources um, to you that will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Um, and, and then also, if you, if you have a prayer request, you'd like us to pray for you, same thing. Grab that connect card out of the seat back pocket in front of you. On the back, there's a the space for prayer requests. There's even a box at the bottom that says confidential. Like if you just want uh, the, uh, the pastoral team, the leadership team to know about it and you don't want us to, to put it on the prayer chain, um, you know, check that box confidential. We'd love to be in prayer with you uh, this week about your needs and, 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 you know, see how you're doing. And so uh, you can fill that out. Uh, the rest of you, man, if, if it's your first time, be sure and fill that connect card out as well. Drop it um, in the buckets on the way out. Don't forget your 21-day prayer guide. If you weren't here last week, um, we have some extras on the info table in the lobby. <clears throat> we also have it online on the front page of our website and on your app if you hit reading plan in the top right corner. Um, it, it's there as well. If you'd like to uh, volunteer here at Mosaic Church, we're gearing up our volunteer teams. Uh, you can also write that in on your Connect card, drop it, or there's a, there's a form on our site um, if you'd like to serve as well. Next Sunday night, I am so incredibly pumped. We're having a worship and prayer night uh, here at Mosaic called Consumed. Um, we're gonna have an hour of uh, the band will play. We'll have focused times of prayer. We'll have some stations around the room that will help guide you in your prayer. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to come. It's going to be a great night. Uh, next Sunday night from 6 until 7, we'll pray. And then from 7 until whenever you want, we'll hang out in the lobby and get to know each other and have a little family time. And so, man, I encourage you to be here. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to just spend an hour in God's presence together with you in worship and prayer. And then also, thank you for your generosity as you support uh, what's going on here at Mosaic. Uh, happy to announce to you. Um, this is super, super special to me because I used to be one, uh, but we picked up two missionaries uh, this past week. 
One is uh, Jim Thacker. He, he's, he serves in Madagascar, planting churches and, and building up pastors, helps in Bible school there, does amazing work. And then also the Bowsers in Peru. Some of you may even went on a mission trip with the Bowsers uh, years ago. Uh, but both of these missionaries have amazing works. I really believe that they're good soil to invest into. And so we pick them up for monthly support. And so when you give your tithes and offerings to Mosaic, not only does it go to um, support the ongoing ministries here at Mosaic Church, but it also supports missionaries and um, different ministries around the world. And so thank you so much for your generosity in giving. Um, man, I appreciate it and God sees it. And uh, the Bible's promises that when you put God first in your finances, he's gonna take care of you. And so thanks for doing that. You can, you can give in the buckets on the way out or online. Uh, it's easy and quick to give there as well. Uh, so Stan, let me bless you before we're dismissed. Um, and when I say amen, there'll be a couple friends up front if you need prayer, healing, provision, anything. Uh, you just wanna talk to somebody, uh, they'll be up front and would love to pray for you um, as we're dismissed today. God, I thank you for your people. I pray that you bless them in their going and in their coming and in their work and in their relationships and in their families. God, just bless your people. We submit and surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thanks for being at Mosaic.